This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I love lists. I love year-end reviews. So we figured on this Alana Enquirer podcast, Joey Wagner and I, Jeremy Warner, would do a list review of the year 2021. I don't know, Joey. I like, uh, I got my Time Magazine. It's got the top 10 movies of the year, books of the year, all that stuff. And I haven't read any of that stuff, but I'm, I'm a sucker uh, for a list and kind of year-end reviews. How about you? Do you get into those? Not as much. I do wonder when you eventually go through this as a father of two who watches more Bluey than Hollywood like movies. I wonder how many of those top ten movies you'll have actually seen. I'm guessing two would be a a pretty high number. I would have to think. You know how many movies I saw this year? One. What was it? Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> First movie I ever took my kids to. Uh, it was yeah, it was what you'd expect, right? Uh, from Clifford the Big Red Dog, the kids enjoyed it. They stayed through the movie, which was nice. Um, so that was that was nice getting through the whole ninety minutes there. But yeah, I, I I I'm not a big Marvel guy. Uh, I understand how good they are, but like, so Spider-Man, I was not part of the million dollar gross there. Uh, and I'm still like on 2020 music. I'm still listening to like, um, bring me the horizon machine gun, Kelly mods, so, like the pump pot, uh, pop punk revival here. Joey is what I'm into. So we should have like a top 10 pop punk songs of 2021 list. I don't think I would be helpful in the <laughs> revival of it. Um, because I still listen to the same. If, you know, look, we do a lot of driving. I need something I can, I know, and I can sing along to. And that just happens to be stuff when I was like 17 or 18. Real quick, shout out to Clifford for like that's some staying power, dude. That guy was popular when I was a kid. And I'm yep. 30. I also learned that Pokemon is still a thing. Um, huge staying power for them. That, that's not something I. I would have bargained for. I thought it got like not cool in like 2004, and sure enough, it's still it's still hanging out. What a weird year, man! Yeah, and and for you guys who were uh, Blues Clues uh, growing up, that that's kind of made a comeback uh, with a new really? guy. It was really good. I I was I was a little I missed that. I was a little older for Blues Clues, but uh, my kids do like it. My my daughter got a little notebook thing that she you know draws on and stuff that's like uh booze clues so uh she's all into that but we wanted to review the illinois year 2021 and joey let's start here we're going to talk about the best moments best win best athletes right uh the biggest storylines of this year but how can we not start with the big picture of 2021 in that 2020 there were many athletes for illinois whether it's baseball and softball their seasons got cut short so they barely competed uh, volleyball did not have a match in 2020 right 
so many athletes that didn't even compete. And while obviously with Illinois basketball, both men and women on pause, the wrestling team went on pause, COVID testing continues. Um, things have led up at least this fall compared to the spring when it comes to some of those restrictions. But we are still living in this pandemic and there still are some things that aren't very normal, but we've had some huge returns to normalcy and just huge returns to just people competing on the field yet again. So we'll get into the NCAA and how much things have changed there, but just with athletes getting back on the field, fans being back in the stands, like this has been a huge year of progress in that regards. And, uh, you know, the good thing is, is like in March 2020, Joey, we had no idea what this would look like. Would would How, how would this impact the health of student athletes? And, and so far, it's been good, right? Like we haven't had any serious, serious things happen here to student athletes, at least at Illinois and mostly throughout the country. So um, from where we were in 2020 to where we are now, uh, certainly was, was a year of – getting that hope back, getting some normalcy back in college athletics. Yeah, man, it really does. I, like, I want to start back in March of 2020. Do you remember in the postseason, I guess, presser, the, the last in-person presser we had when the Big Ten tournament was canceled? Brad Underwood looked at us and said, what are you guys going to write about and talk about on TV? And we're like, I don't know, man. I really, I don't know. Like, this is so strange. And it feels like forever since that moment. I mean – I remember you and I, Jeremy, we were at Camp Randall to start the 2020 football season. Like, we were in empty arenas and stadiums the whole time. That was still the most bizarre feeling I've ever felt at a sporting event because that place is on fire, literally. I mean, the press box shakes. It is a party there, and you're looking around, and it's just nothing. So coming back to this year and there's people there again and there's bands and, and things start to like you almost forget and I know that's not always like the right thing and you shouldn't forget about where we're at and what's kind of surrounding us but those Saturdays covering football you almost kind of forgot that everything else was around and maybe we lost a little bit of perspective about what it had all been to get back to that point but you appreciated it a little more. I did. I, I just, I appreciated seeing people at football games. I appreciated being at the Arizona game, the basketball game. And you look around and it just, it felt like the Iowa game in 2019. And it's just this energy and it's just stuff you took for granted that it was kind of hard. And then of course people get to play sports. Like you saying volleyball didn't play a match in 2020 blows my mind. Like that is Insane. Go a whole calendar year. Like, think of how many matches those girls play their entire lives, you know, through club sports, all that. And then there's a whole calendar year they don't play. Like, they, they just don't play a match. Like, and then this year they get two seasons in, right? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. But it's, yeah, it was just, I had to tell myself that, right? Like, a lot of those sports, like, they would had to get football. They had to get basketball in to start. But a lot of those sports – they weren't doing what they do for, for nine to 12 months, um, which is just absolutely insane. And like, I just think for everybody, right? Like most of us are trying to do what's best for the collective, right? But like, we still want to do what we do. And like, that's what we found out. I think this year is how can we do what we want to do responsibly, safely, all of this. And we got back to that. And, and there's just a mental health component of all of that 
right? Like getting kids in school was like one of my main things. Like we got to get kids back in school. Like that has to be the priority more so than some of these other things, right? Like, and, and I think that was so important with these student athletes, mental health with, you know, fans, mental health, like going to a game, watching games, like it can be infuriating for people, but it's also an outlet. For people good or bad it's it's, it's an outlet um, and for most people it's, it's a really good outlet something they can cheer on so I think everybody was in a better mental state with uh, sports and college sports getting back yeah man and the COVID anxiety is a real thing too right I, I mean you sit in your house all day and not everybody but some of us are oh my god is this a symptom oh my god you know you just it's almost eats your thoughts so to go somewhere or to watch something and have your thought be somewhere else. And maybe you're screaming at the TV because you're upset about a punt in West Lafayette. Or, or maybe you're in the stadium at Memorial Stadium and you're upset about a punt against Maryland. That feels like a trillion times better outcome than being hunkered at home watching Tiger King in, in March of 2020, right? I mean, just to, to kind of experience life again and, and see things coming in and obviously the, the trickle-down effect to, for kids to play sports. Like, that's what they want to do. A lot of people tie their identity to playing a certain sport, and to get back to a lot of that, it felt good. And unfortunately, here we are on December 28th, and you're kind of reminded, we've, we've all been kind of reminded in the last two weeks or so that, and I think you put it really well, like, we're done with this pandemic. Right? It's not necessarily done with us. And, and that's it's a really true thing. And, you know, the hope is, as we record this, right, men's and women's basketball are on pause for a TBD, I guess, amount of time. We don't really know when that's going to end, but it's still here. And, and, you know, it's almost felt like for a little a little bit like a vacation from August to, to December here of, of just kind of feeling that normalcy, but still around and hopefully we continue to have a good grip on it. But it's, it's really been kind of a long year. Like in your mind, you think of, oh, 2020, 2020. Yeah. But 2021 has been kind of a lengthy year too, man. Well, it's interesting because last fall you had a lot of po- or po- some positive tests with Illinois football, and it impacted their season mostly because of contact tracing that we don't have, right? Like that's not a thing uh, really anymore. Um, but through the fall football, there are a couple in- interesting absences throughout the season that it was like, oh, is that COVID? And Illinois wouldn't say whether or not. But it wasn't like a whole offensive line is out right quarterback room or or the quarterback room has been impacted by this so we didn't have that and then now college basketball and and you're seeing with college football bowl teams uh certainly being impacted by this again and yeah it is it is a reminder of of where it is but it's also evolving right like the big 10 had its forfeiture policy and today they finally change it but it's still really unclear which this has not been a good two years for for the big 10 and the leadership of kevin warren which i i can I can sympathize with how and when he took over, but they just haven't been at the forefront of this and haven't been very very decisive uh, with many things that they've done here, which has been infuriating. But it's like, will Illinois have to forfeit one of these games? We're not quite sure. How many athletes can they have available potentially for for Sunday at Minnesota? Uh, Not sure. Would Minnesota just be like, yeah, you got to play because we can play? Or would Minnesota say, yeah, let's – Let's uh, postpone this one and we'll make it up at a later date. Like, I don't know if the Big Ten answered any of those things uh, quite today, but it is a reminder that the pandemic is still going on. The good news is, Joey, we now have vaccines, right? We now have 
treatments and most cases with these student athletes seem to be mild because it seems like almost all of them uh, are vaccinated and it seems like with the Omicron variant at least the early data and I hate going off of that sometimes but the early data seems to be that this is starting to act if you are vaccinated more like a cold or a flu or, or something like that so what's going to be interesting in 2022 is if somebody's test positive are we still testing next year for this is or is this just the cold is this just the flu like these are things i don't know the answers to and i, I don't want to pretend it but like we're gonna have to learn how to deal with that and i think that's what we're dealing with now is the messy part of like okay these guys aren't really being impacted health wise might be asymptomatic we don't know for Illinois basketball but you know all these schools are dealing with that right now um even calipari said we're not testing for for guys unless they're asymptomatic right well illinois is testing for everybody it's 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 messy right now so that's what 2022 is is probably going to answer is is here we learn to live with this and get back to probably what we knew in 2019 right you hope yeah we're, we're in the in-between right now right i i think you still have this feeling that there's a lot going on in the world with regards to this pandemic this virus and you don't want to just turn your head from that because it's all real and it's all happening and, and hospitals are are full of people and numbers are going up and all of that is very much a thing but i think there's also at least my read on it is a look ahead like look we've got all this stuff we've got these measures in place here's data of you know if you're vaccinated what what this x y and z like there's so many different things there that it's like well when do we turn the page as best we can and the delicate balance of finding the time to do that and is it going to take like it did when the nba shut down where one league says this is going to be us i mean we're talking a sports realm now not not big yeah. you know life picture is it going to take one league to say like we'll do this because you know here's the data we're using to drive this decision much like the nba did when they shut down they said we're done here uh, and then everybody else follows suit will it be another one of those you know, one sport, one league leads the way and everyone else follows. We don't know. And it's it's hard. That's been the hard, or a hard part. I don't want to say the hardest part of, of these last, I guess almost two years is like what, we don't really know what to expect day to day, right? Like right. It's for a while, we kind of got used to what we were doing. And now as we evolve, it's hard to know what to expect the next way. So it's uh still weird like it's, it's still, still the main that, story right like I, I know people don't they want go talk sports well this is a part of sports right now it impacts everything we do in life and certainly it is impacting uh sports but i, I don't think you could talk about 2021 joey without talking about the biggest storyline is illinois basketball I, I know it didn't end the way everybody wanted to in the ncaa tournament and that's a big part of this story is the second round loss to Loyola, um you know chicago but what a 2021 it was. Uh, and, and I remember you were doing your top 10 stories of, of 2021, which is going to publish uh, on Wednesday morning. And is it the loss to Loyola? Do we go with like the negative? Because that is uh, a lot of people going to be the number one thing they do remember from that season. But I, I, I kind of talked to you and I was like, man, I texted you the screenshot of the run from mid-January to mid-March, right? Where they won 15 of 16 games. They won a Big Ten tournament championship. Uh, I think they should have won at least a share of the Big Ten title, given that Michigan ducked three games. Uh, and I do think it was in part to to win the Big Ten championship outright. And 
it's just that is one of the best runs we've ever seen from an Illinois team. They were nine and five, five and three, which is they were going to make an NCAA tournament. You're thinking, ah, maybe it's more of a four or five seed than a one seed. Then all of a sudden they just they go off and they're one of the best teams in the country heading into the NCAA tournament. Io Desumu. Uh, has, has two triple doubles, right? Like Kofi Coburn is a consensus second team All American. Io puts together one of the best seasons we've ever seen. Um, from January 19th to March 20th, they lost one game. And it was one of the best runs we've ever seen from an Illinois basketball team. And to be honest with Joey, it's, it's still like one of the best teams I've ever seen uh, in Illinois history, despite that second round loss to Loyola Chicago. And it just. They lived up to the hype of what the season was supposed to be outside of the NCAA tournament. Um, they lived up to all the hype that Illinois fans thought they could be. And they just established themselves that Illinois basketball is potentially a national player, uh, but certainly back-to-back years, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, I thought, and I wrote this, Jeremy. I think 2020 was like, we're back, right? Like that, that was Illinois basketball's reemergence onto the national scene and unfortunately that didn't get to be seen all the way through because the uh, tournament got canceled but 2021 felt like a staying power voice right like yeah we're back you guys all knew we're back but we're not really planning on going anywhere and oh by the way we're gonna just knock off this unbelievable run from january 19th through loyola and this like this wasn't just beating Nebraska 15 out of 16 times. And I'm sorry, Nebraska, but you stink. And you've been at the bottom of the Big Ten forever. Hey, they give them a run uh, in overtime. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa to save the day. They, they beat Iowa. They beat Wisconsin. They beat um, – they lost to Michigan State. That was the – Iowa got clobbered and, and really kind of threatened. Like, what a weird feeling after that, right? Like, it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? They go to Wisconsin. They win at Wisconsin. I think the signature win of the season – was at Michigan, just beating the brakes off of the Wolverines without Io. Then they go to Ohio State and they win there. And they, for good measure, they beat Iowa and Ohio State again in the Big Ten tournament. And it's like, wow, this isn't just like a lucky schedule break where you're playing the bottom of the conference. You're not. Now, there were some bottom feeders in there, right? I mean, Northwestern, Nebraska, I mean, Indiana, I wouldn't call them a bottom feeder, but they weren't great. Penn State in the same way, Rutgers. But those were some pretty sizable wins and that's where you just felt like you know sometimes when a team is quote-unquote back you can be like okay well is that a fluke like are they back now because they have Io DeSumo and and then and obviously Kofi Coburn and you look around and and what Brad had had on that 2020 team 2019-20 team but then you come back and it's like nah man this is this is just kind of what we think we're going to expect now you and I have talked in 2022 that's going to be challenged a little bit with what we think is going to happen with the roster uh just purely by people Trent Frazier Demonte Williams who will be gone but it just felt like that was Brad just reaching a floor it felt like 2021 was like our floor is going to be at minimum a top half big 10 team we're going to be probably pretty firmly in the tournament there's going to be some years where it varies right like that happens to everybody basically but it just felt like that was Brad saying, this is the pl- like this is at least where I think we're going to be every year. And 2021 backed it up. Yeah, and you and I were kind of going through before we got on here of like just trying to remember the moments uh, of this season. And in and, and the non-conference, it was, oh, Jason Preston almost beat you in Ohio oh, uh, before uh, Iowa saved the day late in that one. The Duke win was so big, but you – 
followed that with a loss to Missouri. So it, it just didn't feel like <laughs> it lasted, right? Um, and then you crush Minnesota in the opener and you lose to Rutgers. And then you win four games in a row, but then you lose back-to-back when you finally get tested by some of these top teams, Maryland and Ohio State. But then it started that run, right? You, you, you get to Penn State at home, you beat Iowa at home, kind of reestablish yourself, beating Luka Garza. And I believe Iowa was top 10 at, at that point of, of the they season. Were yeah. Um, Indiana, overtime victory. I, I don't know if we talk about that one enough. Iowa had a bad game. He fouled out. And Trent Frazier hit a huge couple threes back to back to tie that game. And then. Everyone just struggled to score the rest of that game, but Illinois got to the free throw line. Curbelo, Frazier made some big free throws. Curbelo had an awesome pass to Kofi for a big dunk. And it was just like, oh, this team, even without Io, can win on – I know it's a different experience on the road last year, but they won on the road. They, they clobber Wisconsin at home. Nebraska, they get that scare, but Io bails them out. Um, beat a couple teams they should, Northwestern, Minnesota. They lose that one to Michigan State, and Io gets hurt. And for the second straight year, you're thinking, oh, this year could be messed up by an Io DeSumo injury. And then you just go on and win three games without him, including at Wisconsin and at Michigan. At the number two team in the country, I believe, at that time. And you just clobber them. Just absolutely run them off the floor. And, and then uh, Iowa comes back and you're able to beat Ohio State. And Iowa had a fantastic game there. And then the Big Ten tournament happens with that masked man. It was just, going back through some of those, you, you got to remind yourself, especially me with the, the Indiana overtime game, just how big um, that one was in the season. But it was just a hell of a ride. And I think that was the story of the season was that 15 of 16 street. Let's go back to before it started. Do you, I remember exactly where we were sitting in, I guess the crush club, yeah. right? That's where we recorded podcasts last yeah. year after back-to-back losses in seven days to Maryland or Ohio state, both at home. And we were like, what in the world is going on here? Like, this is not what we thought we were going to be covering or what we were going to be seeing or what this team was going to be. I remember distinctly, we wondered who was going to be the third, who was going to be next to next to IO, next to Kofi in terms of leading this team. Do you remember the podcast and, title? I just looked it up. No, what was it? A Liddell Disappointing. I mean, I think a Liddell like Disappointing. That was a nice, I thought that was a nice play on words there. Uh, yeah, but it was, I, I it was like, talking, I feel like we felt good about that. Name. Yeah, felt, <laughs> felt really good about that, that title. But it was like, yeah, this, this team's a little disappointing at this point. But that's why even when they started two and twos, like, okay, we've seen this before, right? Like, I'm not going to make these grand proclamations before they really get into a stretch run and before, you know, they get tested a little bit. For whatever reason, this team, the team last year, it, it just it feels like they're better being the, the hunter than the hunted. Yeah, Brad had to still – every year about this time, Brad is in his lab crafting and manufacturing a chip to put on his team's shoulders and, and some sort of slight that maybe happened or maybe didn't happen in the exact way that we read it. Brad's a master at that. Like, that's not a knock. Brad knows exactly – it's it's when like when you hear all these Alabama kids saying like nobody ever believed in me. Bryce yeah. Young, nobody. I was the number two recruit in the country, not number one. Nobody believed I could do this. Or you hear uh, Will Anderson say, "Yeah, no, nobody thought we could we could do this." Like you're Alabama, freaking Bama. Yeah, of course we did. You were number one. Yeah, in they're the, the underdogs in Cincinnati, don't you know? Yeah. Like it's, it, it, but that's what Brad is so good at, and and like I know for point last year during that stretch, we kind of rolled our eyes because we heard a lot of those those chips, you know, everyone against us type thing. And Brad is so good at like either manufacturing it or finding it or, or blowing a little moment 
into that and then just not letting them forget it. Uh, you know, we did it a little bit this year with Coleman Hawkins against Ron Harper, remember? Like, he's been, like, twisting that nice since last year in New Jersey. And that, it's just that thing. And I, so I think when you look at – when I look at that ride, that 15 of 16, I just have to remember how it started. And we were just wondering – it was kind of a crossroads a little bit and, and maybe it was a little overreaction and maybe it's because we thought this team was going to be pretty much what they, they ended up being. They probably end up being better. And I think a lot of us thought, and you're like, Oh God, what in the world? And then they just do it. And it was, you kind of get lost. Like when we talked about like 15 or 16, really, is that right? Like, am I reading this right? Am I remembering this right? It was that. And it was just, then you think back of like what we missed by not having people there to watch it. And like, like that's kind of just that little nugget that eats a little bit, but dude, it was, it was something. And yeah, the Loyola loss that stunk for them like that. It stunk because it was an in-state school uh, from the Missouri Valley. And, and that's probably not giving all the right context that was required when discussing that Loyola team. Top 10 Ken bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it happened and it happened in the second round and you didn't get that week of buzz between the second round and the sweet 16 where you're the darlings and you're the number one seed and you're you're all of this and everybody wants to talk to talk to brad and everywhere you turn it's oh there's io there's kofi there's brad and it's all of this like just constantly in it yeah. you miss that and of course you obviously miss the sweet 16 and you miss any chance of going any further but that's what's fun about that week between those first, you know, the two rounds in Sweet 16 is just it's so much. Yeah. And it's all the time. And that didn't happen. And credit to Loyola, but also Illinois just kind of fell. Yeah. Right? They, they just fell flat. I think you have five of your top ten stories are Illinois basketball related. I think four of the <laughs> top five are Illinois basketball. And it's, I, I agree with it. Um, the other part of this is is what happened after all of that, right, is – Io DeSumo leaves and goes pro, as everyone expected him to do probably two years ago. Uh, and he gets drafted by the Chicago Bulls, which is fantastic. But the whole Kofi Coburn thing. Like, there was points where you thought Kofi Coburn was going pro. He obviously thought he was going pro with selling gear and serving the NCAA suspension. There's also a moment where he thought he might be going to Kentucky, right? Like, And the reason you thought he might be going to Kentucky is because Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman are at Kentucky, and, and Stephen Gentry is at Gonzaga. You lost an entire staff. There was a point this summer, Joey, where we're thinking this team might be fighting for an NCAA tournament berth this year, not a Big Ten title. And then all of a sudden, Kofi comes back. You add Alfonso Plummer. You add Omar Payne, who obviously has not had a huge impact, but Alfonso Plummer is just raining fire on people right now <laughs> from the perimeter and, and one of the best scorers in the NCAA right now. So everything that happened after that is also like the huge storyline of that Brad Underwood didn't let this fall apart. Like Kofi Coburn came back because he trusted Brad Underwood. He wanted to make some money. We didn't mention NIL and, and transfers yeah. and all this stuff and our big picture stuff, but like all of that played a role uh, in Brad Underwood having another team that we think can compete for a, a Big Ten title, a third year in a row of doing that, but also be a potential top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. And maybe for the first time since 2005 for Illinois, for the first time in Brad Underwood's career as a head coach, potentially get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And I think that Loyola loss will linger until whenever Brad Underwood uh, is able to get to that second weekend. Yeah, the Kofi thing was so interesting because it's like July 1st. That was like the calendar of the new terrain of college sports, right? Like NIL is a thing, and and we're all like, okay, wow, how's this impact? And then Kofi goes in the portal, and then it's just like 
everything is just a total confusing mess a little our bit. message board from april oh to when then it was the antigua rumors started right from april until kofi came back we're just on fire on that was a fun place to be joey i say sarcastically <laughs> Hey man, shout out to everybody for sticking around and um, and dealing with that. But like, you know, the running joke is like, if you watch like nationally or see what happens, it's like, oh, just another day on the Louisville basketball beat because it always seems like there's just been some like firework thrown into the program like every other day. That's what the off season felt like. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we had kind of heard the rumors of Orlando Antigua and then, okay, is Chin going too? Chin Coleman? All right, what's going on? Wait, is Illinois going to keep Orlando? You know, Josh Whitman rolls up with a Brinks truck and, and Adam Miller, these... the heir apparent to Iowa leaves. Oh my like, God, hats heads are falling off. Like, is this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a group of people. I hope get, get that, but they probably won't. Um, but yeah, man, it's like all of this is happening as fans are still, and probably Brad Underwood are still trying to reconcile with this way too early loss in the NCAA tournament that did not sit well with anybody. And then your ballyhooed recruit from Chicago enters the portal. You lose all three assistant coaches, every last one of the on-court on ones, which is not the best headline to have nationally, by the way. And then I, Kofi's in the portal, and then he's not. And it, it's just, it's just insane. It, it was really... Like, yeah, a lot of the top 10 stories are going to be Illinois basketball related. And you could have made a legitimate argument to do like eight or nine of them because it was such a wild calendar year for that program. And then, oh, by the way, we expect they're going to play basketball again and they're going to be pretty good again. It's, it's yep. wow. Yeah, and then Andre Cabello's injury uh, on, on top of it is, is probably been, was probably one towards the end of this, probably an honorable mention that, you know, it's there's mystery around it, right? We don't know when he's coming back, and they're still pretty good without him. But if you add him, and just watching some of the Indiana game highlights and, and some of the season highlights against, like, some people should go back and watch some of those things about Andre Corbello because, yeah, they're better with him on the court, um, and, and hopefully they can get him back. Uh, some other things I wanted to mention: uh, men's golf, another great year. We almost overlook it, but what Mike Small does to do this every year: eleven out of Big Ten, eleven out of twelve Big Ten championships. They make a run uh, to the uh, Elite Eight again, the match play. Uh, lose to Oklahoma, which I think was the, the number one team or number two team in the country, but they were the four seed because of uh, stroke play. Uh, but uh, Michael Fiegel's great super senior season. Adrian DeMont to Chassert wins co-Big Ten Player of the Year, and, and Fiegel's had an argument for it. Jerry G really stepped up. So um, really good team yet again, and uh, they can continue to chase that elusive t- title. Uh, I thought men's tennis winning a Big Ten tournament title was, was a huge story, especially with all the super seniors they had back. Ohio State's like the one hurdle they just can't get over uh and this year they got over it they're the only team that, that can beat ohio state in the the big 10 uh, tournament championship the last what 12 years that illinois has done it three times uh, and then volleyball you're kind of wondering mid-season like all right where's this chris thomas program going and they do well in the big 10 the big 10's absolutely loaded they right they had the championship match was between two big 10 teams but uh, they make the run of the Sweet 16. They they knock off Kentucky, and uh, it was a really successful season for them, and and one that I think uh, Chris Thomas can can certainly build on. So I, I wanted to mention a couple of those things. Olivia Howell making the NCAA championships as a freshman uh, in the 1500, uh, really good as well. So uh, some other really good performances, Joey. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good year for for Illinois non-revenue sports, right? I mean, golf is, is such a like, oh hum, you know, okay, there goes Mike Small winning the Big Ten again, and and oh, what's that? He found another number one golfer. Oh, okay, and, and like I don't mean to like take anything away because it's really impressive, but it's just where this program is. It's the expectation. You just look at it. It's the expectation, and that doesn't make the result any less impressive. It's just like oh wow like yeah they've done it again and you know that's it's when you look at the whole body of work it's really it's really something else and, and that tennis run I mean that was that was in the summer right it's kind of early summer and and things were what really a lot going on and, and that was a really big deal it would have been a big deal if there was a lot going on but that was the, the non-revenue save for you know baseball softball missed the tournament right women's basketball is is, is still struggling. I mean, really yeah, that, that is a story. Is is women's basketball with Nancy Fay? I mean, this is their what set, third staff basically that she's had reset, and the the results are not coming. Like, listen, I, I get it. She's a Hall of Fame coach. It's not working. It, it's just not working. So I think for twenty twenty two, that's a that's a huge storyline. Yeah, baseball, softball, they always seem like they're on the edge of are they going to get in the tournament? Are they not? And last year was so weird with some of those sports, Joey, because it was conference only, right? Even volleyball last spring, they were 7 11, but it was all in the Big Ten. So it's really hard to judge uh, compared to a, a normal year. Um, and even wrestling, right? But another big storyline is is wrestling making a coaching change staying in house with mike poeta uh but i do think that program needed a jolt of energy jim heffernan lifer really here at illinois but i feel like they needed a jolt of energy and, and they went with a youth guy in mike poeta and i think he's really energized recruiting and we'll see what they could do uh on the map but i, I do think for the long term uh maybe you can get them a little bit more excited but uh, that's more of a long-term answer yeah, and I was glad you brought up Olivia Howe because she's really, really good at what she does. And I know sometimes women's track, it's in those summer or early summer months. It's is really when those championships happen. It's easy to overlook men's and women's track. They're long days to go out there and watch some of those. But, man, she is really exceptional at what she does, and she's a good cross-country runner as well. And I, I think you're going to hear a lot more about her because of how good she is. Like, she could be that person for this – this program to just really band around. Then you put NIL in the mix and there's just a lot there for her. And I know uh, your athletes of the year, Jeremy, you mentioned Manning Platter, a guy that Illinois native got him from Michigan. And it was a transfer that just paid off for everybody right away. Right. And, and he won some, some awards and, and he did really well at Illinois. This It's just those things that, you know, I understand it's so easy to kind of get sucked in the, the football and basketball mold and, and just really live kind of in those spheres. But there's a lot going on outside of that. Now, there's a lot not going on, as we talked about with women's basketball, but that's some of those non-revenue, especially those spring ones, just really continue to just, just do incredibly well for themselves. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Joey. Uh, I was thinking about who made the biggest impact on a lot. Wait, can we talk about football? Yeah, uh, that's where I wanted to Probably go. Should talk about football. Um, who made the biggest impact on Illinois? And you could you could say Kofi for coming back. You could say Io for coming back and, and playing the the three months that he did here for Illinois. You could talk about Brad Underwood, right? Um, or you could just go at the top and go Josh Whitman, which I, I think he's always got his handprints over everything. But I think it's clearly Brett Bielma, right? Who who's just brought. Um, I don't know if I want to use the word energy again, but he's just brought a steadying hand. I feel like to Illinois football, um, he's he's really bought into I think the the role that Lovey Smith never did, which is the face and voice of Illinois athletics, right? And, and Josh Whitman certainly is that. Brad Underwood certainly can be, but football, your football coach has to be out there. Your football coach has to be selling not only your football program, but your athletics program, your community, your university. And Brett Bielema gets that. And it certainly doesn't matter if you go 2-10, and 10, right? But he, he certainly made an impact on the football program as well. But I, I just think as a CEO, he's certainly been an improvement for, for Illinois football and everything that that job entails from the moment he put together his staff and, and, you know, Tony Peterson, you and I had questions about when he made that hire, right? Like, and we'll see how that works out. But when he put together the rest of the staff, it's like, Oh, he's getting some guys from other power five schools, whether it's Aaron Henry or Terrence Jameson, or, um, you know, then he ends it with George McDonald and Kevin Kane and, and, and Ryan Walters. And you're thinking, Whoa, okay. This, this looks like a staff. And I've said it many times, that Iowa would be happy with, that Michigan could be happy with. And he put that together compared to the hires we were seeing with Lovey Smith, right? Especially early on, they're all NFL guys, didn't work out. And then he's starting to, to pick guys that don't seemingly qualify uh, for the Illinois jobs. And those guys are your assistant head coach or assistant coaches. And then you start to see players coming back. You know, Jake Hansen coming back, Owen Carney coming back, Casey Washington coming back, all these super seniors buying into him. And then you see the Nebraska win, and then you have a bunch of struggles. But then to see that team build upon what they did late in the season with some some signature wins, getting to five and seven, which felt a heck of a lot better than three and nine or, or four and eight, and then to see just the recruiting effort, right, and and, and connecting with some in-state prospects, and uh, I just think you feel better about where Illinois football is at, knowing they need to do a lot more to compete in the Big Ten. But in the Big Ten West, you feel like you have a chance now. Yeah, let's start with the off the field stuff. And, and you talked about him being a CEO and it's something he embraces, whether it's every radio hit he can get his hands on or every sit down. I sat down with him last week. I know other outlets did too. Those, those things matter, especially when you're trying to rebuild a program. Like you don't have to do that. If you're at Alabama, you don't have to talk to everybody who will listen because Alabama football is going to, have excitement because it's Alabama football, right? And but you're you're right. Where as good as Brad Underwood is, and everybody, and I still think a lot of people would argue like, oh, Illinois is a basketball school because of success 
dictates basically just that. Um, it's still something about the head football coach really drives a lot. There's a reason people joke. I think we're all joking when we say this, that Nick Saban could be the governor of Alabama or that Ryan Day, the same in Ohio or Dabo is the same in South Carolina because those voices like that's just kind of all what it means. And Illinois had been lacking that. Honestly, Pat Fitzgerald had that, I guess you could say title in the state of Illinois. And you could really reasonably make an argument. He still does. I mean, Northwestern was down, but still good. It's, but it's minimally more competitive to which voice rings out the loudest in the state, which you could not say yeah. um, a year ago or before that. So what Brett's done, and just in terms of embracing all that, all that it is, and and he had a, he still has a tough hill to climb on the field, and he did certainly a year ago, Jeremy, when he got hired. But a year ago. Does it looking back? Does it not seem like a tall task to try to make people excited about this program? Yeah. Like, if you were a fan, I don't want to take a pot shot, but I sure will here in a minute. Like, what were you excited about after watching this team in the last three years? I mean, there were some pieces. I don't want to say like there's nothing there to build around, but like big picture, there was a four-game stretch that was made you really excited. There was about a year there. Were you excited about recruiting with Marquez Beast and Isaiah Williams, Shimon Cooper? Sure. But it just it, – it felt so flimsy. It, it, it all felt a little flimsy at the time. Like, the transfers, right? Like, all of a sudden you started hitting in the transfer portal. You did one year, and then could you keep it up, right? Like, and, and that's what – this feels more sustainable, right? And, and that is the word that Illinois is looking for is sustainable. And seeing Illinois – even in one season, Joey, sustain competitiveness, right? Like there were two games you felt like you couldn't win, Virginia and uh, Wisconsin, right? The rest of them, yeah, they were frustrating that you lost against Purdue and Maryland and, and, and you're not able to you know, get more wins than that, but like you had a chance. And, you know, ruining some of the decisions or some of those plays, like usually it's Illinois fans leaving the third quarter, Right, like being like, we didn't even have a chance. Like we're not even in the same realm. When it comes to the Big Ten West, you know, this year is going to be tough as as you reset this thing and you lose a bunch of experience. But you don't feel like you're that far off from what those teams are, and and you feel like you have a guy that comes with some credibility. And, and given the recruiting results he has, especially with players, you feel like you should win. Feels like you can you can make some hay in the next couple of years. Yeah, I wanted to liken it, and I know you're going to get mad at me for saying this to being a Bears fan right now. Like, you just feel – by the end of – No, I don't feel mad at you for saying the truth, Joey. I don't. Well, did, did you – I mean, just maybe a little rudderless, right? That's yeah. maybe how it felt before Brett got to Illinois. It's like, well, where, where, where is this going here? What's – how's this all going to look? What, what do they have? And I know the Bears have Justin Fields, and I, that's good for them objectively. But it, it's kind of like what you were just saying. It's like you got to get a coach to come in there and make you feel – Energized, and I think Brett, beyond the on-field competitiveness, I, I just feel like he's done that. And yes, he's got to win more. No, he wasn't happy that he was giving an end-of-the-season press conference when he should have been prepping for a bowl game. Like he's not going to stand up and say, "Hey, would you look at this five and seven record?" Huh? Like yeah. glad we're here. Like, like that's CBS, not it. CBS graded the, the season. I thought that it was a perfect grade, C plus. Right, which is like for Illinois, there's a little bit of a curve there. Like most teams aren't going to get a C plus for five and seven, but like 
for Illinois, like, yeah, like there was improvement there. It was satisfactory because uh, I predicted five and seven, but there are also regrettable moments there. Um, but that's because you were competitive in, in those games and had chances to to make an even bigger statement. And you have a huge m- missed opportunity here, right? Like, if you could have finished higher in the Big Ten West standings, what does that do for recruiting? If you could have gotten 15 bowl practice in, don't know if you got a bowl game in, right, because of everything going on. <laughs> but, like, that would have been huge for the development of, of your program to have basically an extra spring ball. Yeah, so I – I mean, I, again, no, I don't think any of us who look at this or paid to look at this rationally are like, all right, what a year. What, what a, I mean, Brett doesn't want to be five and seven again. I, fans don't want them to be five and seven again. That much is very much true. Uh, but, but would just you take five and this, seven for 2022 right now, though? Yes. Now, if you look at the schedule, yes. Look, it's a whole other topic. But, but the point, I mean, the point is uh, you can see. I think what I, as we covered Brett for a year, is you see he's very process driven. And to me, just from what we see on the outside and and people we talk to and understanding how this comes, that process feels sound. It it feels like that's a process that's going to yield some sort of results. Now, how big of a jump in those results over what it has been, we don't know. I mean, there's still a lot that you have to coach into these players. There's still a lot you have to have go right. Injuries are a part of that. There's a lot that goes in, but the process feels like something that could at least lead to the hope of sustainability. And, and I think that is what my biggest takeaway from his year one was, was you just see kind of the outlines in the shell and, and how they want to do it. And that looks like a good mix to me. Yeah, the process is not perfect, but it's sound, right? Like, I, I think that's correct. You know, like the transfer portal, they didn't do that well last year, no. right? They, they didn't get a lot of bang for their buck in, in the transfer portal. Like, some of the guys are pretty good. Jack Bedovinak was ended up being a pretty good player for them, but uh, they didn't hit the way they need to, at least this year, right, with, with how much they're going to replace. So some of those things need to improve. The offense certainly was not a positive until very late in the season when Brandon Peters – played better ball and, and the offensive line protected better and I just think Tony Peterson called better games um, late in the season so um, they certainly have things they got to clean up but the hashtag Illini problem certainly seemed like better problems to have like God, fourth down call at, at Purdue like as, as frustrating as it is that this is still the case like that's an improvement for, for Illinois football now it's can you build on those things and, and we'll see that going into next year all right, what was the best win of the year, Joey? Got a couple candidates on the top of my mind. Uh, I'll go with one that I, I think, just because the improbability of it, um, going into Ann Arbor and defeating Michigan by 20-plus points without Io DeSumo, with Michigan basically already claiming the Big Ten title, uh, that was a statement. That, that was a statement win, and Trent Frazier played amazing. I mean, basically everybody played amazingly in that game, but – um, that that felt like the the major win of the year, even understanding uh, what Illinois did at Penn State. Yeah, man, I wish I would have gone first so I could have put you on the spot to pick a different one. But yeah, like that that was the one for me. Like you, we we've got so many like images of that too. Like that that's what kind of sticks out. Like beyond just what it means on the floor, it's like the images that come out. Like the, meaning the celebration was. Like they knew what they had done, and whether it's Andre Trent Frazier, Trent Frazier with the big champs. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm still thinking when Rub Ubbins renovated that that might be somewhere on a wall. Or Andre Curbelo jumping into Brad's arms. Um, yeah. 
and now five years, I can safely say I've seen that one time when someone jumps into Brad's arms. Like that was a really, really big deal. And and I think they were probably kind of ticked off that that Michigan had seemingly awarded themselves a Big Ten championship and and you're no one thought they were gonna win that, right? I mean, which is crazy to say about a team that won 15 of 16 down the stretch, but like that just didn't feel like a game that we thought they were gonna win. They went in and do it. So I I feel like I if, if that's taken, regrettably taken. No, um, you can you can pick that one uh, too. You can pick the same game. I mean Well, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament was big because that was like a you beat Iowa. Ohio State played its butts off, and that was a really hard game in overtime. You needed Georgie to come through and do Georgie things. Like that was a classic. that was a really big game. It gets you a one seed. I mean, that that was huge. I mean, was can, we, can we talk about how great Dwayne Washington was in that game? Like, you shouldn't have lost that, or you shouldn't have won that game against what Dwayne Washington was doing in that tournament. And we know how good EJ Liddell is. Like, that was a really great Ohio State team that was fighting for a one seed, right? Like, they ended up getting the two seed, losing the first round. But um, that was that was an epic, epic game uh, between two really Really good teams that end up having really disappointing ends of the season. Justice Suing, EJ Liddell, uh, CJ Walker had a great performance in that one. But uh, Illinois had six guys in, in double figures. Curbelo came, and De- Demonte Williams had some big shots in that one too. Yeah, that that one, as we now talk about it, probably I I maybe overlooked that a little bit. And, and I talk about the reactions we get. That was the amazing game. If you'll remember the yeah. Georgia and Kofi's twenty-five minute stand-up comedy amazing. tour. Um, via zoom but penn state was a really big one for football jeremy to go in a, a game that i remember doing the pregame show with with brett barons and wcia and we're like hey, i don't know man just stay within 30 if you could maybe swing that I, that's just what it felt like because penn state frankly probably would have been like the number two team in the country at that time had uh man why am i blanking on quarterback's name clifford yeah sean clifford John Clifford not gotten hurt at Iowa. They, they, you know, you can make an argument they win that game. Uh, so now Illinois goes into Penn State. Penn State had a bye. Clifford was back. I mean, the whole the whole thing. And Illinois, by the way, had just gotten run over. I mean, like literally run over. One of two times they got blown out. They got blown out at home against Wisconsin and had no hope in the world of stopping the run. And you're like, oh, my God, you're two and five. You have all these super seniors who came back, and it's like this is going not even at all what like you thought it was going to look like. Go ahead. And Brett Bielma was getting reamed that way. Oh my God! For, yes. for the viral comment um, that we understood, and I, I think even some communications experts, like we know this, would say, "Hey, he probably could have said that a little bit better, added some context, um, knowing that this could go you know out there to everybody." Um, still, like. That was that was that week leading up to it. It's feeling like, man, where's this all? This season could get bad. You're going to Penn State right now, top ten team. I don't feel like they're going to compete. And then they just owned the line of scrimmage, Joey. Just owned it, <laughs> and they still had to go into overtime to beat. Like they should have won by nine, two scores. Nine of them. Yeah, <laughs> they should have gone. They should have won by two scores if their their passing game could have done anything. Uh, but Chase Brown, monster day. They run for 300-plus yards. We'll always remember it for being the barge day. I don't know if we'll get the barge ever to be a thing again after that, but it was fun to write about it for a week. But it was just, yeah, it, it turned around the season, right? Like that, that gave them belief when they went out there. And, and for whatever reason, this team 
outside of that Northwestern game, maybe a Nebraska game, they played better on the road. Yeah, they did. And and don't overlook Josh McCray, a true freshman going into Penn State and, and running running all over them. And, and then you know, there's just so many things built in, right? Like Brandon Peters, for basically all intents and purposes, was benched going into that game. Art Stokowski breaks his arm. Brandon Peters has got – like I wondered at the time, I'm like, are they going to put Peters in? I mean, is this like a Ryan Johnson moment? There's a lot that we didn't really know. Um, then Brandon Peters goes in, and after some ugly – two-yard failures here and there. He throws this pass to Casey Washington, who was all but gone, by the way, a few months before that, to Wake Forest. He was in Wake Forest, at Wake Forest, rather. Uh, so there's just a lot there, Jeremy. And, that and really... we mentioned the offense. Sorry, Joe. We mentioned the offense. The defense was unbelievable that day. Like, Kalon Tolson and Tariq Barnes probably had their best games ever. Defensive line owned the line of scrimmage. The safeties played well. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, and you said, you know, we don't know if we'll see the barge again. Hear me out. The year is 2023. Joey Hokla, Hunter Whiteneck, Magnus Moeller are lined up in some capacity. Obviously, uh, we, we think Hunter and, and Magnus, Mountis, excuse me, yeah. might, might be on the other uh, sides of each other. But those three seem like a pretty good base to get a barge formation back together uh, just as soon as you think everybody forgets about it. But, dude, that was – that was a big one because after if they lose that now granted they come home and lay an egg to Rutgers and really kind of uh collapsed the bull hope at that point because they, they really could only afford it to go four and one down the stretch yeah um, unlike the 2019 team they didn't go back to back right like that that Rutgers game felt like the Purdue game of 2019 where it's like all right you win this one all of a sudden let's talk bull let, let, let's talk about the bull obviously they could they follow it up with a win at Minnesota it makes you start thinking that again but um yeah, that was that was a disappointing loss following it, but uh, certainly that win uh, fed into uh, the win at Minnesota, and, and that fed into competing at Iowa, where they take a ten nothing lead, uh, and Iowa was just better than them. But um, and then you know crushing a bad Northwestern team. Yeah, I, I just I, I do wonder. There's always that part of me that wonders what happens if things go to chalk right at Penn State and. And Illinois loses the game that on paper they should have lost. Um, what follows from there? I mean, the Rutgers obviously doesn't matter. They lost that anyway. But do you have the confidence to go at go to Minnesota? And, like, Minnesota wasn't a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, it's not necessarily the easiest place to go in and win. And they were a pretty solid team. Uh, what, what happens then? So, we don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess my order of operations would be Michigan basketball, probably Penn State football and then I'd have to say Ohio State basketball in yeah. the in the Big Ten tournament title game because I, I just felt like that one you got your banner in that game right and, and you know I know Illinois feels a little slighted quite slighted by not getting one for the regular season we just solidify like yeah. hey you know we're we're here and now that didn't last those good vibes didn't last but seven days but that was a big one, man. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, all right, best moment. Uh, I told you before this, my my best moment's kind of also the worst yeah. moment. After that Ohio State win, for me, it was the best moment. Um, I just remember seeing Io DeSumo at the top of his ladder, right, going up to get his part of the net, and you just see him smiling, and then he points to this big screen, and you see Illinois come up as a number one seed. And it was just a great moment of just like Io realizing and fulfilling everything that people thought he could do. Like 
he took on this weight that Illinois basketball, whether it was Jalen Brunson or Jawan Evans or you name the recruit, right? Uh, Cliff Alexander. They're <laughs> looking for the savior to turn them around. The one guy to believe in them and turn them around. And it, it always felt unfair, right? But I always took that on. And here he is on his throne, this, this ladder. I don't know if it was a Warner, but it was a ladder. And he's going up there, and he claims his net, and he's pointing up to the screen, and everybody turns. It's just like Iowa has his power, right? He's pointing. You you look where Iowa's pointing. And we didn't even know it was on, that the, the selection show was even starting or it was on. And there's Illinois as a number one seed. So that was my best moment, but it's also my worst moment because they didn't get any chance to enjoy it. Like, it, it just... It felt like there needed to be an hour there where they get to celebrate that. They get together as a team, and then you could focus on who you're playing next. And it was just like, it, it just happened so quick. And, and the Big Ten, you love that stage, right? Right before the selection show, everybody's watching the end of that game. It was a classic in overtime. Everyone's starting to pick Illinois, right, after that point to go to the Final Four. Like Every expert was picking them. But also for me, just felt like I always remembered it because it just felt so fleeting. Like there was no buildup to are they going to be a one seed? Like we're going to see in like 20 minutes whether it is. And it just felt like Illinois was still kind of celebrating after they got to the NCAA tournament, right? Like, and it felt like Loyola Chicago was already reared and ready to go because they had a day after winning the Missouri Valley or a couple days after a week probably uh, to get ready for their opponents. It just felt like Illinois was still in this celebration mode. So. Like I don't know if Illinois feels differently or they play differently against Loyola Chicago if they lose to Ohio State or if they lost to Iowa in the second round. But it's always something I'll wonder because they were still celebrating uh, as, as the Ed Subway tournament show was, was going out. Yeah, that's – can we just say I hope that the three of us can always be at all those big moments uh, moving forward. I, I was back, so I missed a lot of that exchange. You see pictures of it, right? Um, it's a good one, man. That's a really, really good one. And – I think if we're doing this, they, they all have to be basketball, right? If you look at best moments, I mean, you could you could look at Zeke Clark outlasting in, in the men's tennis final uh, against Ohio State. That was a freaking grind. Uh, I think Brad Dancer's like, yeah, Disney would be a part of this, right? Like, that, that was a really big moment. But basketball was just so captivating. And, and I'm torn between two. I'm torn between the Curbelo jump uh, because it just kind of felt a little bit like a – and I know it's not gone that way this year, and there's still more seasonal, but a little bit of like a transition of power from Io to the next guard as Curbelo kind of embraces this coach who, who got it all out of him at that point and was getting it all out of him. That was a really big one. You do it on the road, and that was just kind of felt like Curbelo stepping up into this, hey, things will be okay. Like everyone's going to miss Io, and you should. But, like, Iowa didn't play that game, and Curbelo just kind of steps into this role as a guard. And you see a little bit about what that team could be for the next month or so of the season, probably less than that, three weeks. And then again, like, then you, you know, that was a game I, I think we talked about when we were kind of trying to project what we thought Andre Curbelo could be coming into this basketball season. But I also go back, and maybe I just got caught up in what fun it was to cover this rivalry. But, and, I feel bad even saying this, but like Io dunking on Patrick McCaffrey in the Big Ten tournament, because he, it's like he knew, like Io really got the moments. Like that, that was something that I don't know how he was always so sound in all of that, but he always just seemed to understand what they were immediately as they were happening. And he goes down and he's patting his head, you know, I, I just dunked on you. And 
and they didn't like each other. They didn't like Iowa. Iowa didn't like Illinois. And in the way that you said, when Iowa points, everyone looks. When Iowa did anything, everyone looked. So when Iowa was celebrating that, I think it kind of was like a message to everybody, like, I know what in the world I just did. I understand what that means to you guys. And it was a really nice cap on what had been a fun two-year rivalry between these two teams and with Iowa and Luca and, and DeMonte and the McCaffreys and Jordan Bohannon. And it just it had all of that in there. It just kind of felt like him – like he had fun, like yeah. to, to your point, and we know Iowa had a lot of fun, but like I would assume it has to be heavy wearing the crown of building Illinois basketball back up as a, as a player. And to your point, he did it so well, so seamlessly. He didn't shy away from it. And that to me just kind of felt like he was like, all right, I did this. This was really, really fun to do. And I'm going to have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. And, and maybe at that point, you thought like, how's this team going to lose in the Big Ten tournament? Like they, they just had – all of that going and Ohio State obviously pushed him to the brink but those two stand out to me just because it felt like there was more than just it's in the same way as yours just there was more than that just game moment all right uh worst moment Joey was a phone call you gave me uh you're down in Florida excited to do a story um you know that you had lined up and we had talked about for a really long time and and you gave me the call that you know you showed up to Bobby Roundtree's session uh for therapy and and he wasn't there, man. And and uh, I, I remember I was at Mary Ann's when you called me, and I, I had to leave right after that, and and kind of reach out to everybody. It's it's part of the job I hate. You know, I remember getting the call uh, or a message uh, about Bobby Roundtree having a, a serious accident, having to work and and cover that, and feeling for his family through all of that. And uh, man, you were down there, like down there. But you also did a heck heck of a job, like. Uh, the story I'm most proud of you've ever written is is the one talking to all those people at uh, his therapy center because it, it just gave the light of what he brought there, the energy he brought there. I mean, and when, when he was alive, man, he was alive. And uh, it's just a terrible tragedy, obviously, the last couple of years of his life. But he also inspired a lot of people. And uh, he clearly made a big impact in everybody he touched. He did. And, you know, a lot of people, like, this job, like, the, it's so weird you say that because, like, before we recorded this, we were looking like, okay, maybe I forgot a little bit about this game or this game. And like, even if you're like consumed in these and you're writing about it and you're covering it, they just all kind of blend as yeah. one game after a while. But like those phone calls, you don't necessarily ever forget. And, and I had to call someone to confirm it. And you just heard the voice on the other end break. And and I called, I called Dele Harding. Um, and daily text he didn't answer he texted me he said i'll have to give you a call back i'm like i don't want to have to ask you this but and he he told me and, and we waited and got it more fit but it's like man that sucked that was that sucked i mean i mean it's because you knew what by it made it even suck because of a like a story that seems so stupid and so little to like to say but it just you knew what he meant right like you you don't facetime someone after those big wins because you just kind of like them or you just kind of look up to them. Like he mattered so much and, and still does in that locker room. Like one of my favorite parts of the season was seeing former teammates, be it Jamal Woods, I think Kendall Smith and Kalon Tolson to run out with that 97 strong flag. Like some of those, and I know it's still, still you know recent, I guess, but like some of those things kind of, you know, peter off a little bit over time and, 
when you see it and you see how much it matters and, and you have those firsthand experiences in the locker room kind of trickle through the next group of players, like maybe I'm just romanticizing it at this point, but you just don't feel like that flag is going to go away. Like you, yeah. you just feel like that's going to be part of what we see. And it's a testament to Bobby and you and I covered Bobby, uh, you longer than me. I know you covered him as a recruit. And it's everything everybody said. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, but initially, I remember talking to him. It's like I can't really crack this guy. And like, he was tough in interviews. Yeah. Yeah, and like I don't really know him. And to be fair, he doesn't really know me. Um, so, so what's what's going on here? And then when you get talking to him, and 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 you know him, like everything everybody said about him was true. So that was that was a tough one, man. Like, that that really. And I remember talking to Josh Whitman at Big Ten Media Days, which was not long after it happened. And you just saw his eyes well. And, like, that wasn't fake. That wasn't because cameras were on. It's because it's the first time he talked about this guy. And and I still think Lovey's brightest moment as a coach was his response to Bobby's accident in the summer and staying in his hospital room and being such a big part of Bobby's recovery. It's, it's You saw who Lovey was as a person. Yeah. Like, as much as we have to be critical – of the job he did on the football field and, and that's fair and that comes with this gig you saw his like bobby roundtree couldn't help like he wasn't going to help him win football games anymore but lovey didn't just move along right and I, I think that's what sticks out to me so much and and you knew how much he meant so just trying to process all of that in florida and looking at it like oh my gosh like this is this is unbelievable and then obviously you, you could just hear kind of the, the hurt in his teammates and we didn't really want to have to ask them about it right like no one wants to continue to, to ask but it's part of the job and they understood that and it's part of yeah, part of like getting his legacy out there too right like i yeah. just, I think they understood that and that's what our job was was to say who this person was and, and who he meant to people and um he certainly meant a lot to people and uh it's tragic when anyone that young and um, and it adds to it that this kid was going to play in the NFL. Like he, he was, he was that okay. good. Like he was probably the best recruit, like recruiting story Lovey Smith had because of you know, he had some offers, but he wasn't ranked that high. But they fought for him. And again, another call uh, when I was at Mary Ann's for signing day, uh, Derek McGee called me and said we're getting him, and it was a huge moment. Like they thought that was a huge win. And his first two years, like his freshman year. He looked like he was belonged as a freshman. That doesn't happen that many times as a defensive end. And then his sophomore year, he looked like he was a star. And they thought, this is a kid that could go early. And then what happened in the spring happened. And he carried himself like a star, too. And I don't mean that like an arrogant way. I just mean that the sense of like he knew he was good. And you have to know you're good if you're good. Or, or you know, what, what good is it, I suppose. But he – he just kind of had everybody around his finger a little yeah. bit in a really good way. And it, I think I got covering his sophomore year and he just noticed it immediately, right? Like, oh, this is the guy who's kind of like, who leads this thing. And you learned it real, at least defensively. And you learned it really quick. And that's just a, a testament to who he was. I and mean, you mentioned that I kind of blocked that out. That was, this yeah, is a, that a was wild, moment. yeah. All right, uh, let's let's look ahead to 2022. I, I think some of the biggest stories will be, how does this basketball season end, right? Um, do they win a Big Ten championship? Uh, do they get another banner? 
and do they make it to the second weekend? Like, I, I think if you make it to the second weekend, you finish, what, top three in the Big Ten, Joey, which I would pick them to do. I think people would feel pretty dang good about that Illinois basketball season. And then it, it goes from there of, all right, how do you survive without Kofi Coburn, right? Like, what's the program look like after that? But we, and Trent Frazier yeah, and well, Demonte Williams and possibly Jacob Grandison. Yeah. And, and there was some talk before – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off – and some talk before the season of Andre Curbelo. We, we don't know, to be fair, what that looks like long term but like yeah what, what's this look like and then what does september november october september october november of 2022 look like for this team and i know i cut you off but yeah no, there's yeah. a lot like a change of kind of a changing of the guard which happens in college sports it's it's why you know fans are so easily fixated on a team right like you know you don't have i'm a fan of selling so like that's what part of this is but this is, uh, I talked about staying power. I don't think that's going away, but this is really going to test how much staying power there is and what that staying power looks like. And, and we know the class of 2022 and who's in there with Jaden Epps and Ty Rogers and Sincere Harris, but this is a pretty significant changing of the guard. We saw it in Iowa City last year, right? And, and I think you're going to see a little bit, that, that seems to me like a pretty reasonable, yeah. you know, apples to apples comparison. No, yeah, it's a it's a really good comp, and uh, yeah, I, I think what could make that Iowa program great is make an NCAA tournament within your down year, your rebuilding year. Um, that would be a heck of a thing for Illinois, right? Like Michigan State has done this time after time after time. Michigan has done this time after time over the last decade through two coaches now of how do you rebuild? And, and the transfer portal certainly can help that or hurt that. That's what's uh, interesting about this. Uh, and, and then for Illinois football, it's, it's clearly um, they're, they're going through this right now. Is This is the roster reset it's looking different than Lovey Smith because he's going with transfers. You can go with more transfers now, but they also didn't go all in uh, on transfers. So how much can they develop? How much can they improve the offense despite losing this many offensive linemen, uh, potentially Daniel Barker as well. Defensively, you got some really good pieces, but you also lose some really good pieces, especially on the edge, on uh, on the interior with Roderick Perry, and then Kirby Joseph going to the NFL. So while Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, you know the linebackers are pretty good players. Um, there's there's a lot to replace there, and and got to mention the lads, the specialists. You're, you're losing them as well. So how well can Brett Bielma keep this team competitive uh, after a huge, huge roster reset and, uh, you know, limited uh, amount of transfer additions they're going to make because of all the prep additions they're making. Yeah, that's, that's – and by the way, you go to Michigan, you play Michigan State, and you go to Penn State. So Hey, going think, to Penn State's not scary anymore, Joey. Well, all right. I, I – <laughs> I think it's. I think you go to Michigan and host Michigan State. It might, might yeah, well be you're the other right. Way go to Ann Arbor, host Michigan State. Hey, I guess we're going to the Big House. That'll be fun to see. Um, it's but, big. But the, it's yeah. very big. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I that is how, how does Brett do this? Because we we talked about it with Lovey's tenure, and and now we're going to have to see it with with Brett. Is like how do you balance that? And I think we saw how Brett's going to balance that with twenty two prep and twenty one and a half uh isaiah adams and juco uh I, th- I think we saw the balance right and it's this foundation it's what's gonna gonna be long term for us and there's some significant holes to fill i you know but there's also especially defensively there's a lot coming back at least in the two deep um you get a little thin at some positions looking at you interior defensive line behind 
uh, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, and we know they got the Northwestern transfer. Tara, is it Tara Edwards? Is that right? Yeah, Tara. Tara. Um, so, so we know those things are they're happening. We we think, but you know, there's a lot to replace, and you're replacing who I had was a defensive MVP and Owen Carney, and who you had was a defensive MVP and Kirby Joseph, and, and those are tough things to do. And and again, if if you're a fan and you're looking into this, at, the, at what point? I mean, you, you've got no reason to not trust Ryan Walters at this point, right? Like, I mean, that's that's kind of your saving grace right now is, well, that dude, your defensive coordinator, and he does a pretty good job with safeties. And, and then you you look around, and I think there's reason to be impressed with that defensive coaching staff. Offensively, though, man, especially if, if Daniel Barker stays in the draft, um, and I think it's probably leaning towards that way. I don't know that the door's completely shut, but I, I think that's probably fair to say it's leaning in that direction. You know, you're going to have to – you still got Luke Ford. I think you and I both like what they have in Tip Ryman. Uh, then, then you're bringing in Owen Anderson and Henry Boyer, and what are you going to get out of them? What are you going to need out of them early? But, dude, this offensive line has been, like, the stabilizing force of a program, a whole program, that has needed a stabilizing force. It was always, like, Vidarian Lowe will be your left tackle – Alex Palczewski will be your right tackle, or in this case, right guard um, towards the back end of this year. Doug Kramer's up the middle, and everything else is gravy, right? Because you know you've got those three at that position. Uh, and obviously, Kendrick Green was, was as good as they come, and they, they did a good job of replacing the other guard spot. But man, that's the when you want to do what Brett Bielema wants to do, and that's be successful in running the football and winning in the trenches. And now you got to replace four of your five. And we, we both really like Julian Pearl, uh, but he doesn't play all five spots at the same time. Um, so it's a big one. That's a really big one. And, you know, you got to make sure you hit on Tommy DeVito too. You yep. got to make sure that, that that guy can give you the production that you need and continue to be a bridge as you get closer to a guy that they like a lot in Donovan Leary. And, and we don't know how long that's going to be. At, at least a year, we'll see beyond that. But there's a lot of questions offensively, and I, I still think four and eight with the schedule, you probably say like, all right. Yeah, it's just it's hard. It. It's hard to even predict because of so many holes left to fill, right? And and then we haven't yeah. even seen them. Like, I think Tommy DeVito can be better than what Brandon Peters was last year, but Brandon Peters pretty good the last four games, right? You look at the last four games, like man, if you would have had that the entire season. You'd have a really good team. Um, but also, Tommy DeVito, his issues at Syracuse were mostly they couldn't protect him. Like, he had some good receivers, uh, but his defense was awful, and they couldn't protect him. I expect his defense will be better. I expect his run game with Chase Brown to still be pretty good and Josh McCray and, and adding a couple really good freshmen. I think Isaiah Williams is a good target. Probably need another who one. Else? Yeah, you probably need yeah. another one with uh, Deuce Span leaving, who had some talent. You had a bunch of freshmen, but I'm not counting on those guys right away. Uh, Luke Ford and Tip Ryman could be a solid duo uh, at tight end. Might need to add another one there. So that, that's where it's really hard to predict this. But yeah, I think this. I think on paper the, the schedule gets tougher in the Big Ten. The thing is, I think your non-conference with Virginia and um, Wyoming losing so many players could help you when both those games are at home. Chattanooga is a win, uh, and then it's the Big Ten West, Joey. You got a chance. Like the Big Ten West gives you so many opportunities because. Outside of Wisconsin and Iowa, none of those teams, and I don't even know if those teams terrify me, but they're just better, right? They're better than you. Um, those other teams are going to give you a chance because Purdue's not head and shoulders above you, and they're losing their two best players. 
Um, you know, Minnesota's been pretty good, but they're losing a bunch of linemen. Uh, you know, so Nebraska's still not good, and they're going to this, you know, make or break year for for Scott Frost. So it just feels like there there's opportunities there in the Big Ten West. It's just you have as many questions answered as anybody in that division. Yeah, and again, if you're a fan, you it, my advice, my which is unsolicited as it comes, would, would trust what you've seen with how Brett approaches the process, right? Like I know there's so much, like it's kind of a running joke in sports. Like, listen, you got to trust the process because Philadelphia said it in basketball until you couldn't hear anything else anymore. But you you do have to look at the bones to, and just see how Brett wants to get to where he wants to be. And yeah, you kind of always understood this was going to be the the tougher year than year right, one yeah. probably at least from a roster construction standpoint and that like this year like you don't want to go two and ten right like, you, like oh, that man. that would be a huge setback right and then all of a sudden you're wondering about th- this season shouldn't determine the Brett Bielema era right if they oh, go man. four and eight or if they even go six and six but it's like th- you just want to continue to be competitive uh, and you want to continue to, to win games that are winnable games, and, and they still have those on the schedule. It's just, you know, the East crossovers get tougher, but you lost to Rutgers this year when you thought that one was winnable. You lost to Maryland when you thought that year was winnable. So maybe the East crossovers, uh, you went one and two last year. If you go one and two this year, you'd be pretty happy. Absolutely, man. It's, it's, you knew it was going to be like this, and I think you're going to run into – look, with, with the way – I don't think you're going to see it this year – but with the way Brett's built this staff, every year you're going to have an off-season question, at least in terms of coaching staff, right? Like, if you think Ryan Walters is going to be here forever, I have, boy, do I have some news for you. I, I think you could say that about a lot of these, or a handful of these coaches. So that's, I don't, again, I don't think that's this year, but like, there's always going to be that question, but that's what you want as a program, right? Who's going to go early? What coaches are going to get poached? Like, that's how you know things are going well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's not make or break, but you don't want to lose. Yeah. I, I, just, I don't want to say what little momentum. I think there's more momentum than a little uh, that was built after this year. But you don't want to you don't want to feel like you've taken a step back. Yeah. And, and was that in the record? Is it in you know how many blowout losses? And, and it still feels so stupid to me that we're like quantifying a season by that. But like you have to. No, I, I think it's how do you look? Right? Do, do you look like a? Right. You look like a Big Ten West competitor, and how are you recruiting? I think that's going to be really important is to see if they take another step up in recruiting. Do you get some some four star prospects, which they were the only Big Ten team that didn't this year? Do you do you continue? You don't need to get ten in state kids again, but are you continuing to recruit the state well and land some of the Power Five kids in, in the state? I think all of that's important. Like this is you're right. This is part of the process, and you don't want to take a step backwards because then all of a sudden things get iffy, right? Even even going into year three, you just want to continue the progress and it might not all show itself uh, in the win loss column, but maybe it does. Maybe it does. Maybe we're shortchanging it and we should have higher expectations, but if Illinois is in a bowl game in 2022, I think Brett Bean was doing one hell of a job. Are you doing a Derek Piper and riding your bike to the bowl destination? No, I'm not doing that. I, I don't think it's that ridiculous. Like the over, no, I don't either. Over under is probably going to be three and a half or four and a half again. Right. Like three and a half last year felt way too low for me. And, well, I felt iffy about that, right? As you're sitting at two and five going into Penn State, it, it ended up being way too low. I would expect it to come out at three and a half, uh, given the the Big Ten and given everything that they're losing. Um, but if they got to like five and seven to me, sounds about right. Like if they make the additions they need to make, 
Um, and, and I think that would show that Brett Bielma is starting to compete, right, and that Illinois can stack together some competitive seasons. And then it's about can you take that that big step up. Because look at Kirk Ferentz. Look at, um, uh, you know, Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. Those guys took them two years, and all of a sudden year three, year four, that's when they took the, the huge steps up. Well, if you're a development program, you need that time to yep. develop your guys. And I think that is, and, and then once they're developed, you don't need that time because you're not relying. I mean, it's just, it, you've got to build, start the cycle somewhere. Uh, we think it's with this current freshman class, obviously. You and I like some of the, the last minute additions, especially from the 21 class with McCray and DJ Johnson. But yeah, you you got to do that, man. And we'll see. Well, maybe, it's, maybe it doesn't happen, but the, good point on the non-con. Like that can really... I mean, springboards are a big deal, right? And that that could really springboard into something quickly. Non-revenue stuff. I can't wait to see what Olivia Howell does this year. Yeah. I just can't wait. Like, dude, she's really, really, really good. Yeah, she can she, contend for a national good. championship, right? Yes. And at a venue in Champaign at Demersion Park, that's really nice. It's Go watch her, dude. She's really fun. And, and she's really good. And Mike Small is going to do Mike Small things. You did a really nice story on Pearson Hunt and ho-hum another number one to here's uh, up, up in that category and so mike small does man it's not revenue is actually really really cooking yeah for Illinois in a lot of respects it'll be interesting to see what baseball does this year with a full full season softball tyra perry makes the tournament more than not which wasn't the case at the at the end of the terry sullivan era so uh will be fun to have spring sports just in full gear uh coming up but uh yeah, I think we covered it all, Joey. It was a it was a crazy year. It was a better year for me, I think, for us in, in 2021 than it was uh, in 2020. I do believe for for all these student athletes and coaches uh, as well. So hopefully 2022 uh, gets a little bit better as well because these have been tough years, man. But uh, there were some great moments in, in this one, and a lot more just moments of sports actually in this season. So um, any any final thoughts as we say goodbye to the year 2021? Yeah, it just felt good to be back. I know these last few weeks have really sucked, and I'm trying to not let that cloud into what has been a more normal year. Uh, it just felt good to, unfortunately, say it, like let your guard down a little bit and enjoy sports for what they are because yeah. it's really fun. And having the orange crush behind us again, like it's it's such a better like that was so weird i never got used to that and and even when we went to indianapolis and there was only six thousand fans in this like eighty thousand seat place it felt so big like it felt so great to just have these people uh back in the stands and to feel like what college athletics is supposed to feel like again all right joe wagner thank you buddy